Good morning, Crossbridge Online, and welcome. If you're a guest with us today, I especially wanna welcome you and just say thank you so much for joining us. And it's a pleasure to be with you. And I just wanna let you know that my hope and prayer for you is the same as it is for every single person who joins us every week here at Crossbridge. And that is no matter where you find yourself in your faith today, that you would be able to take one step towards Jesus because that is what we are all about. Today is gonna to look a little bit different. I just came from an outstanding, wonderful, fueling interview with the district superintendent of our district in the Alliance, the, the denomination that we're part of. Some of that's not gonna make any sense to you right now, but after this interview, I promise you it will. For those of you at Crossbridge who know, we are a transparent church, so I'm just giving you the heads up. Parts of this conversation that you're about to hear as we continue in our series, The Difference a Year Can Make, might be a little uncomfortable because you might see things about your pastor, about the church, that are like, oh, that's where they are? Yeah, this is where we are. But I wanna invite you into it because not only do we say we celebrate transparent relationships as a church, but I wanna live that out as your pastor and celebrate that with you together, keeping Jesus at the center of all we do. So listen, I want you to enjoy this interview catch what's going on in our church as part of our district, as part of our denomination. I can't wait for you to meet Kelvin. This is gonna be awesome. Enjoy everybody. Kelvin, thanks for hanging out with us today. It's good to be with you. Cross Bridge, it's good to meet you and I'm glad to be a part of this today. Yeah, now this is a face many of you have never seen before. And I will tell you, this is a face for me that has been um, very frequent in my life. And Kelvin and I met each other at a district conference many, many years ago from our district. And it was actually two very broken stories and transparent hearts that brought us together in that brokenness. And a friendship has developed over the last decade or so yeah. that has um, the hope in Jesus, I would say, has propelled us with each other. There's so much yeah. trust so much transparency. And what I'm excited for you, Crossbridge, is that uh, you get to be invited into a conversation that we've been having, and it may get uh, just a little transparent, but as you know at Crossbridge, one of our values is relational transparency. You'll probably see a bit of that and go, I can't believe you just said that, or oh my goodness. And I've already told Kelvin, like, you don't have to hold back. You can say what you wanna say. That's what we do at our church. So, um, oh, you're gearing up. <laughs> um, so, Kelvin, again, thank you so much for being with us. And I know in our church, I've talked a little bit about what it means to be part of the CMA, the mm -hmm. Christian Missionary Alliance. And we've talked about it on a global level. And here I am sitting with the district superintendent of the Metropolitan District of the Christian Missionary Alliance. We really have no idea as a church what that means. Okay. And so what does a district superintendent do? Like what, what does your job do? And how does that work out for our district? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, first of all, the Metropolitan District of the Christian Missionary Alliance, that's a mouthful. It is. It's a, it's a lot. Um, each, as part of the Christian Missionary Alliance, each part of the United States is broken up in districts or areas. And the role of the district superintendent is to, first of all, be like the pastor to pastors in the particular area that, that we oversee. I mean, our area uh, covers um, all of uh, the boroughs in New York City, Long Island. There are four counties in lower New York, Dutchess, Putnam, Rockland, and Westchester counties. Um, and then all of New Jersey. And we even have a little bit of a footprint in Philly. And so it's a wide area, uh, but the first role is to be pastor to pastors. And you and I have talked a lot about yeah. what, that, what that means. Um, 
and particularly in the last year, how that is changing um, and, and, and the complexities of it, but also the joys of it. So pastor of pastors, um, I would say a general overseer for churches. Uh, we have 120, I think we count, the last count was 127 churches in our district. Uh, thankfully, <laughs> I don't do that alone. We have a great team of people in the district office who help with that. But it's a general oversight to make sure that churches are um, tracking with the mission and vision of the, the alliance, the mission and vision of the district. But most of all, that churches are tracking with a kingdom vision for what it is that God is doing in their area um, and, and be a part of helping to, to make that happen. So the oversight is to just say, we're doing this together. We're on target together. Uh, theologically, we're together. Mm. Uh, and that's, that's a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. <laughs> you know? yeah. So you're pastoring pastors, which uh, I would absolutely affirm as a pastor who's being pastored. Um, by you, you got a phenomenal team because pastoring pastors is a pain in the butt. Uh, we could be, <laughs> I'll say it because I know we could be tough. And with 127 churches, you probably have a host of different kinds of pastors yes. in that range. Absolutely, because we are also the most diverse district in the CNMA. We're uh, diverse meaning what? Because that's, oh. that's got a whole yes. loaded term to when, it now. When you think about it, it, it is like, what well, does you mean this? You mean this? You mean it? It's just, yes. <laughs> that's the answer. <laughs> uh, we are diverse racially and culturally and socioeconomically. We are diverse location. We are uh, city, suburb, rural, and really anything in between. Um, we are diverse theologically from this perspective. There are things that in the Alliance we say we must major on these major things. And well, so we've talked about that our church, Jesus, our savior, our sanctifier, our healer, and our coming king. Absolutely. But then there are things where we say, hey, you know what? Um, you might nuance this differently than I do. Um, there are diverse thoughts on those things like, is a person who comes to faith in Christ, are they covered for all eternity? Or can a person, you know, slip away from their faith in Christ and now have to come back? I mean, diverse thoughts from that perspective, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah, it, when, it, it covers the gamut. Yeah, we so are not all <laughs> the same. When you've got such a diverse district, you mentioned you have... Um, a team. So we're sitting here in Elizabeth in the new district office that we moved from Newark down to Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, I'm looking out at the seaports and knowing things are coming in and out like crazy yeah. here. Uh, there's trucks that are going by because it's super like, you know, transport area. You got a team that's going to help care for how, how big is that team? I, don't, I mean, not like who's all on it, but how many people in addition to pastoring pastors, guarding our vision and our mission and, you know, doing all that, you got to lead a staff of people who have a whole lot of different roles right. to make sure that what you're, you're dreaming is getting done. Right. How big, what, what's that staff look like? We've got between, uh, uh, for me personally, we've got um, uh, five full-time and two part-time people that report to me directly. Okay. And then each of those team members have teams under them. So you're talking a total a team of about 25 people. That's amazing. And not all of them serve only in the district office. Many of them serve in the local church also. 
Yeah, I love that we have pastors at local churches who also have a voice into the district office. So it's not just run off by itself and you could choose to do what you want to do. You have some accountability as well. Right, absolutely. Uh, that, and that accountability comes to from someone, some, a group of people that we call Dexcom or the District Executive Committee. Dexcom sounds like people are going to blow up the world. I know, I know. <laughs> um, I promise you it's not. Um, but they, they, they do make sure that I don't do things that are going to blow things up. They make sure that uh, I am carrying out vision, I'm casting vision, that I'm leading the district well, but that I'm also accountable so that I'm not running off on my own and doing things off the rails. All right, you can just look at, look at Crossbridge real quick. Who is it that gets on your case the most from Dexcom? Uh, this guy right here. <laughs> Surprise, uh, Crossbridge. He calls me all the time. Can you tell him to stop? <laughs> Listen, I call you to make sure you, you're getting vacation time and you're taking yes. it, that you're taking days off to love your wife, to love your kids, um, a future grandkid, you know. Yeah. there's grandbaby uh, on the way. That's I'm amazing. Excited. Um, so I, I am thankful that I get to serve on that with you and, you know. Well, in fact, you not only serve on it with me, you're the vice chair of the district executive committee. I mean, let's, let's, let's mention that. That's not a small role either. Um, and so let me just take this moment and say to you, Crossbridge, let me thank you for your willingness to, to share your pastor with us, uh, because that helps us in the district. Uh, there are things that, as district superintendent, I can quickly lose touch without voices like your pastors in my life. And so I'm very grateful for that. Thank you. I, uh, I, I want to be a part of it. And I will say I, I've grown up in this district. I came to know Jesus in this district. I was called to be a pastor in this district. And I have only really served in the Metropolitan District. And so the privilege of being part of how and the direction we go and to guard that is very close to my heart because um, I see Jesus on the move mm -hmm. here. And I, I would love if you could, because the vision of our district really does impact um, how I lead and how I pastor our church, along with the staff that we have at Crossbridge, whom I love and guard that vision as well. But would you just summarize, if you would, what's the vision of our district? Because at Crossbridge, we have a vision of loving God, loving people, serving the world, and our mission is really helping people take one step forward in their faith in Christ Jesus, no matter where they are. Yeah. Just to help people move towards Jesus. What is it that we do as a district that you feel like is important for us to know? So I, I would say uh, there's, some, there's some simple phrases that summarize vision and mission and values. Um, the, the vision of the district is transformed by all of Jesus for all peoples. Amen. Very, very uh, simple. We have a very diverse district. And in this diverse district, people need to know who Jesus is. But not simply because of this, but the transformational work yeah. of Jesus. And mm -hmm. um, uh, that leads into the mission, which is collaborating for kingdom renewal and holistic gospel transformation. You That's highlighted holistic. Give me, right. give me that. So many times we think of Jesus simply as the person who transforms our soul for eternity, for the future. Jesus didn't just do what he did to transform lives for the future, the, uh, the, the time for eternity spent with him. He also preached what's called the gospel of the kingdom. In that, he was saying, I've come so that you would have life and have it to the fullest, John 10, 10. Mm -hmm. um, but that life is not something that you just look forward to in the future. 
that life begins here and now. Amen. And so the, when we talk about holistic transformation, we're talking about Jesus coming in and renewing us, transforming us, body, soul, and spirit, not just there, but here. And our participation in sharing the gospel is to see it from a kingdom holistic perspective. So if I get you uh, to a place where you come to realize your need for Jesus for eternity and your need for him as your savior, but then you, you, you receive Jesus as your savior, and then I say, thank you, and walk away from you, and there are needs in your life right now, I have not presented to you the holistic gospel. Oh. The holistic gospel says, I not only care about your soul for eternity, I care about your life here and now. That's and if good. there are things going on here that affect your life now, I have a call and a responsibility because of Jesus preaching the gospel of the kingdom to be a part of seeing transformation come to you holistically. That's so good. Um, we're, as a church, we do what we call soaping. It's how we read scripture together. And twice a year we read the biographies of Jesus. Um, and it's very intentional that we do that because we believe focusing on his story and what he says is more important than anything else we could really do. And as you say that, I mean, right now we're reading about how he's going town to town and not just, you know, the kingdom come, the kingdom come, but it's like the kingdom now yeah. and the kingdom come. Yeah. And then with the disciples, it's in the apostles and all throughout Acts, which we just read as well in the beginning of the year, it's like, but it's here and now and, yes. and, and then, and and it's it's bigger than just uh, fire insurance from hell. Yes. It's full on discipleship, meaning conforming to the image of Christ for the sake of others, mm -hmm. not just that and not leaving it. So as a district, when we talk about that vision of like a holistic approach and, and keeping it um, all of Jesus for all people, like this transformation, it's almost harder if I'm hearing you correctly this seems like a more difficult thing to even measure or how to approach that because in order to do that, it feels like you have to be a little bit slower with it. You gotta be yeah. intentional about it. And while we could talk about the district and all that kind of stuff, I wanna be intentional about asking you straight up. In the last year, since we're talking about the difference a year could make, in the last year, you never thought that you would be pastoring pastors or being the district superintendent of a denomination or a district that went all virtual because of a pandemic right. that usually and for everyone has caused a lot of crisis and in that crisis moment we realize there's something that Jesus is usually shaping in us if we're aware enough mm -hmm. where is Jesus been transforming you personally not on the work level on the district level but like on a personal level where is Jesus transforming you this year? Like, what have you learned? Uh, I, I can tell you that real easily and very quickly. I have never been challenged more than I have been in this last year to know what it means to fix my eyes on Jesus and on mm -hmm. him alone. Um, there have been so many things in this past year that have... Um, troubled me, brought distress. My wife will tell you that I'm not one who misses a night of sleep often, uh, but there have been a number of sleepless nights. Lots of times where I've literally woken up in a, in a cold sweat just because, what about this? 
how am I going to address this? And over and over and over again, Jesus keeps saying to me, number one, do I have your yes, no matter what the outcome is? Uh, that, that <laughs> I just, you know. That's a hard question. It really is a hard question. I mean, as I came into 2021 and praying about what does 2021 look like, almost like joyfully going, 2020 is coming behind me, you know? I'm like, okay, God, what's, what's, fresh, what's fresh vision for now? What's, what's the new thing? And it was, and literally, I was sharing this with the staff on one of, one of our staff meeting calls. Um, the thing that, that he said to me is, if I gave you fresh vision, would it make a difference? Do I still have your yes? You know? And I'm going, okay. So I'm not getting anything fresh. <laughs> He's going, I still want your yes. What I've been hearing over and over again, in other words, from Hebrews 12, fixing our eyes upon Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. There were so many things that threatened to take my attention and threatened to take my eyes off of him. Um, and that was, it was not only the thing that he kept speaking to me from his word, because I kept coming back to that, yeah. but people would reach out to me and just say, hey, I'm praying for you. I just want to encourage you. Keep looking at him. Now you, you said uh, you were going back to the Word. Fix your eyes on Jesus. What is like? What what does that look like for you? How do you practically do that? Um, is there any disciplines or any like? Is it just through time in the Word, or is there other aspects of your faith that help you reorient to Jesus? I have become a huge fan of times of silence and solitude. Particularly the early days of the pandemic where I felt boxed in because of, you're just home, you're not doing anything. Um, well, and you're living in New York. Right, I live in the Bronx. And so it's, mm -mm. you know, you don't, you I don't, a multifamily house, we're on the top floor of a multifamily house. I don't have any outdoor space. Yeah, you're not leaving. You know, it just, you know, just felt boxed in. All of a sudden, there was a reminder that I could get in my car and I could drive, and I would just get in there and drive. Silence, mm. solitude, not, you know, not praying because I'm speaking, <laughs> but praying because I'm listening. We just finished up a series last year called Pathways where there's certain disciplines that we bring in our life when things are feeling out of control to reorient to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so um, not knowing what your answer would be to that thought, to hear you say silence and solitude is something we did talk about and I'm just reminded of that. So, uh, you know, Crossbridge, if you don't know what that is, feel free to jump on, you know, Crossbridge On Demand on YouTube, go to the Pathway series and look up Silence and Solitude because that is um, one of the key ways in the midst of all the crazy around us that I do think you will hear, hear the voice of God and it may not look like what you expect. Right. It won't look like what you expect. No. He's, you know, um, I'm expecting to hear these things of grandeur prophetic things that are gonna reveal what the future is gonna look like and it's just simply you're fixing your eyes on me do I have you yes one of the questions that uh, I have come to ask in those times of solitude and silence is Jesus where are you in this because if I'm gonna fix my eyes on him I gotta know where he is yeah. and I've been reminded a lot also uh, 
Jeremiah 29, we love to go to verse 11, before I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. But we forget that that verse, in its context, was spoken to a people who were in exile, who were spending their whole time trying to get out. And God's saying, I'm in this. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. And then the follow-up. Then you will call to me and you will pray to me and I will answer. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with your whole heart. And he adds this, this, this line that you could so quickly skip over, but it is so important. I will be found, declares the Lord. I'm grinning ear to ear only because last month we were reading Jeremiah and I, I did a little impromptu video of the same thing of, you know, oh, wow. there's this promise of God says, I'm going to be with you through all things. Like I got to hope and promise and blessings and all these things. But you forget that it hangs on verse 10. That's like, yo, you're going to be in exile for 70 years. So set up shop, start planting fields, building houses, having kids because it's going to be a while. He didn't say when 70 years are completed for you. He said when 70 years are completed for Babylon. Like, this is not even about you. <laughs> it's about someone and something else. But I'm in it and I'm doing something in you, even though I'm doing this for someone else. Ah, oh, that's, oh, I'm gonna think on that one for a little bit. I, I want to I pose that same question to you. What is it in all of, of, of what's gone on this last year? What is it that Jesus has been speaking to you? What have you learned? What's he, what's he forming in you? I think the thing that he has said to me and the question that he's posed to me that has shifted how I've lived from June till now is, Jimmy, am I enough for you? And that's been hard mm -hmm. to always answer because uh, I'd love to be able to say yes, but the answer is I, I usually say yes, but live no. Mm -hmm. And I found that, you know, I've had to reset a lot of things in my life. I had to reset my weight. I had to reset how I um, used my, the apps on my phone and my time usage. And I have found such uh, health, rhythm, and beauty in my morning time with Jesus. And I'm not a morning person by nature, but I find that my time with Jesus is what I look forward to more than almost anything else in the day. Mm. I have found that my time with Jesus, when he says, am I enough, I realize that he is enough even though I'm not enough. And he doesn't look at that and shame me for not being enough, shame me for not having things in control, shame me for maybe not leading like I think I should lead or being a husband like I think I should be a husband, definitely not parenting like I should be a parent, but am I enough? The answer is in my own skill set and my own pushing, I'll never be enough. Mm -hmm. But that's not what he's asking me. He's asking me, is he enough? Yeah. Truly trying to keep Jesus at the center. Am I, am I loving like he is? Am I, am I as generous as he is? Am I as disciplined, you know, like in Luke, to minister all day and then wake up early the next morning to be alone with him, even though I'm tired? Mm -hmm. Am I looking like Jesus? Is he truly enough or can I get through on my own? Yeah. And when I lean towards on my own, I'm always a less than Jesus-like person people around me. So what have I learned? Yeah. I've learned that when I stay Jesus-centered, he's always enough. Yeah. When I'm out of that, I'm a hot mess. Mm -hmm. I'm a hot mess. I think that's why one of our core values in the district for our 
the pastors, those who are leaders in the district, is ministry and life in the spirit. None of what it looks like to do kingdom ministry can be accomplished in our own strength. I've realized even more this year that I can push pretty hard and it looks like it's life in ministry in the spirit, but it's life in ministry on exhaustion, yeah. but I'm pushing through. But when I set up those rhythms of my life of being with Jesus in the morning and doing that, life and ministry in the spirit becomes much more, it's still tiring, but it's not as heavy. Mm -hmm. It's freeing. And I don't know that everyone in my life would pick up when I'm doing my power, Holy Spirit power. I know it, but I also know in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit is when I'm really moving in that, it's a very clear difference to people around yeah. me. Um, there's a lot that's been going on. You mentioned we've got these values of our district. We're super diverse, 127 churches at the last count. As you've watched from the pastor of pastors place, from the overseer of this district, what's been one or two things that have really surprised you to watch about our district as a whole? Like, what have you seen that you're like, oh, look at them go. Mm -hmm. That's my churches. I think the first thing is um, just how resilient our district is. You know, I, you, you, the, you've heard the, maybe, maybe you have, um, the phrase, you can't turn a ship on a dime. Oh yeah. Okay. This has been a season where the ship not only has to turn on a dime, the ship has to turn on a penny. I mean, it's got a, just like that. And I've been... Just so you know, a dime is smaller than a penny. I know a dime is smaller than a penny. <laughs> it's worth less. But a penny right? is, is, you know, is worth less. So and we're so turning on worth or we're turning on... So it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this, is the, this is the part of our relationship where I go, okay, guy, just leave it alone. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Stubborn. Stubborn. <laughs> but you got to turn quickly. Yeah, you got you to pivot real this, fast. And, you, you know, you don't have the time to... To determine the the worth, the value, what all of that's part, you just have to be ready to go. And I've been very surprised, uh, in a good, in a very good way, on how uh, how resilient our district has been. How quick people are to say, "Okay, we got to adjust." I've also been very proud of the way the district has said, "Okay, we're doing okay." you're not okay, we're coming alongside you so that you can become okay. We've had calls from churches that said, hey, you know what? We thought we were gonna take a real big financial dip in this season. God has been good to us. And so we want you to let us know of a church that's really suffered as a result of this, this season. Mm -hmm. And we wanna be able to, to partner with them and bless them. Just, just this whole collaborative effort to say you're not alone. I love that because I think sometimes denominations can get a bad rap because it's like, oh, well, this denominational thing and denominational hangups. But this is one of those benefits I hugely see of being part of a local district, of a denomination of 127 like-minded churches with Jesus at the center that when yeah. you see, I, like I get that picture of, you know, Romans 12 or 1 Corinthians 12 when Paul's writing about the body and the body's not just about like a single church, but like you're part of a family and when one, you know, part of the body's not working well or hurting, you, you're going to have to step it up. Right. And there's a huge benefit to that 
because even at Crossbridge, we found ourselves on both the giving side to churches who were needing, and we were so, God was so faithful with giving that we were like, oh, okay, great, take it. But at the same time, we found that when we were struggling with some th certain things, other churches were ready to come in and help coach us on stuff that we needed yeah. when we had no idea what we were doing. But I was like, I don't know what I would do without this family. And the, the number of churches in our district who didn't have an online presence and had to literally overnight figure out how to become, you know, get online, and the churches in the district said, oh, we've been doing this for a while. Here, let me help you. I mean, equipment would show up. Hey, we, we, just, we just did you know, a new outfitting. Seriously, we just done a new outfitting of our equipment. Uh, we've got this equipment. You don't have any? Here. That, I just, I just sat back and I was like, this is, this is community. This Amen. is how we do this. Amen. So there's a huge amount of encouragement that churches have, and you mentioned the diversity of it all. With all that, what's been one or two of the biggest tensions? <laughs> like, just, and you can... You can be I, real. I just got to see just how diverse we really are. It's a beautiful thing, but it's also been a tension in this time. Let's, let's, I mean, let's, let's not pretend. We have diversity on the whole view of the pandemic mm -hmm. and what that looks like. There have been political tensions. Um, there has been uh, racial unrest. I mean, we could go down through a list of things, and it would be nice to say, hey, we're all approaching it this way. But that's been one of the, the biggest tension points. Um, sitting, praying, talking with staff, and saying, okay, as a district, for the district, here's, here's the message I'm going to put out. This is... This is what you've asked, what does the district office think about this? So now I tell you what the district office thinks about this. And I say this, there's not this one topic, it's all of those things. Mm -hmm. And the tension of navigating that and still trying to keep us moving together, unified, fixed on Jesus, has been one of the most, most difficult things in this season. As a Dominican-African man, mm -hmm leading our district, first person of color in this role in our district, with pastors who have been at churches for a long time. Did you ever feel like there was a difficulty of what you should or shouldn't say simply based on the heritage and color of your skin? Like, how is this going to be perceived if I say this as opposed to someone else with the pastors? Like, did you carry that at all? Oh, yeah. To say this is one of the most difficult seasons I've walked through uh, would be an under, understatement. Mm -hmm. The weight of the responsibility for pastoring the district and for me wanting to pastor the district well through this season, but there's also the inner, inner tension of where in the world do I go to process my own personal feelings and I'll just say it, pain yeah. in the midst of this. To be fully transparent, there were days when people would call and they say, "How you doing?" And on the on the on my end, the only thing they would get is sniffles. I know. I, I don't think I've ever had a season where I wondered, "Am I going to get through this day without crying?" Mm -hmm. That was the personal stuff that I had to somehow figure out how to how to work through. 
one I remember calls that we had over the last decade, specifically over the race conversation every time someone's murdered, I call you, you call me, and asking that hard question like, so what, what now, mm -hmm. what now? And then in this pandemic, things shifted to where it was like, oh, there's a whole lot now. And it felt like the justice that we would long for in those conversations for the last couple of years, it came with a different fervency and like a, whoa, 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 this is a whole, we, we could have stepped into this differently. We could have walked into it. Now it's so much. And in that so much, it's a wave that hits people that's like, but this has been happening. It's a conversation we've been wanting to have, but not sure how and all of these things and now it's, it's, it's like an all or nothing and no steps into it. And with pastors who feel like they have to dig their heels in the sand one way or the other, you're, you're screwed either way. Mm -hmm. And yet you're pastoring all these pastors who have different opinions, but you're trying to process your own alone. Mm -hmm. With every one of these things with, should we be in person? Should we fight this battle? Should we vote that way? Should we do this? It has been so dividing and you've got a church in the most diverse district having to deal with that. And I think that's why the Lord chose this moment to say to me, keep your eyes fixed on me. Do you still have Do your I yes? still have your yes? Because if I had known my yes back then, it would mean this. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been like, yeah. yes with qualifications. Yeah, yeah but I'm going to take know? a year sabbatical. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I'm just thankful for your transparency in it because I don't think the average person in our church at Crossbridge are going to have an idea of what happens at our district level and to know we're part of such a diverse community and then to stop and go, oh, I didn't even think about how that'd be handled because we know how it's handled in our little microcosms of our towns and our marches and our cities and our politics and those signs. But to think about such a more diverse district that we belong to, it's beautiful, but it also comes with an immense amount of complexities. So, thanks for your transparency, man. What about you? You know, as you think about this season, what's been, what's been the one or two things that you'd say, man, this has been surprising, but it's been beautiful. And then the thing that you'd go, this has caused tension and consternation <laughs> in my soul. As a pastor at a church that's portable, one of my, I have, I, I have a lot more things that I would say pleased me and brought great joy this year mm. than were brought consternation. And I think some of those things are, I watched this year a portable church that we dreamed of having a building and all these things, and then watching how this shifted, I watched our staff, our board, and our elders this year turn on a penny dime. Um, <laughs> I was waiting to see if you're going to bring that back up. That's yeah. all right. That's all right. <laughs> um, I, I could not have been more proud of the leadership of our church and mm. how they handled things from applying for PPP loans when I, I couldn't think about that, but that's being done, figuring out what equipment we needed and our board going, whatever we need, just go get it. This is for the gospel. We're, if people are online and that's where they're going to be, go do that. And to see um, people stepping up to lead small groups, to watch um, the youth ministry try to figure out 
How do we meet online when we can't? And then when they transition to in-person, seeing people bring friends, do it safely, wisely, like making decisions across the board. And then when that all works, realizing there's virtual kids that might be missing, how do we include them? Like, I feel like our church, while we've not thought about when do we go back because being in the school, we, we have no idea. Like right. that, that's not on the table right away. It just seemed like it didn't matter to most of the people in our church. And so I watched the resiliency, to use your word, what you saw across the district. I was so thankful for Crossbridge to do that and to be a part of that. Um, I was deathly scared of the finances. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the average you know, person or church, like that's what keeps me up at night. That's the thing that I'm wondering, will our staff continue to be paid? You know, I know we, we've invested wisely in you know, the funds and what we need to, but to see this year how we, we spent less because we didn't need it, but not only did we spend less, but the giving was so far over this year. And I kept asking the question, my like, God, why? And there was really two things that came to mind. The first was the people are committed to my instruction. Mm. And so I've been proud of our church for committing to reading scripture together, like actually diving into the Bible and to the words of Jeremiah, these letters from Paul, the stories of Jesus, like intentionally reading it and then breaking into their small groups and going, all right, we read it. What does this actually mean in my life and apply it? I, I, like, I want to live out the words of Jesus in John 13, 17, where he says, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do it. But they're doing it even like last year, giving away more than we've ever given away. Mm. ever to help start churches, to help, you know, global missions, to be bigger, a bigger presence in our district. All of those things, I just thought, I am so humbled and proud of our church. Like, they're living out the gospel in their neighborhood, and I'm so proud of them. They've invited people to church where, I mean, we're watching people online. I have no idea who they are, but they're friends with someone who's been Mm -hmm. watching. I, I, I told our church, I feel like God has given us the blessing where he says, this year you lost location and we lost our trailer and all the things that were in it and all of that. We lost everything this year, but we've gained the influence. And I think the biggest tension that I carry is where you were is I, I, I knew we were a pretty diverse church in the socioeconomic piece as well as the um, political piece. I just didn't know how passionate each side was. The biggest tension I wish is we would love each other like Jesus sometimes, Mm -hmm. that we would live out Romans 14 of bearing each other's burdens, you know, talking about things instead of accusing things. And I'm guilty of it too, making assumptions about people based on the way they vote that they have all these views or based on the way that they uh, have these views that they vote that way. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Well, if you think this, then you must like vote like this. Yeah, Yeah, and neither of those are true. And so, yeah, my tension has been, um, trying to meet everybody's expectations, but I'm realizing expectations are simply like preemptive disappointments at this point. Yeah. Um, like I said, I'm unbelievably thankful that at least I, I get the privilege of pastoring a church that allows me to feel those things, mm-hmm. a staff that lets me express those things, elders who keep me accountable to those things, and a board who has locked into the mission and the vision and say that's where we're going. So. Listen, I know that we're um, probably a little late on time and all of that and, and Crossbridge, I want to thank you for kind of hanging with us for this time and the difference a year could make. And, you know, it's, it's been a lot this year, but as we close out, Calvin, I, I just want to ask for our church, for Crossbridge Community Church, would you, 
what would you want to say to us to invite us into what we're doing in the district? What can we do and how is it that, um, would you just give us a blessing from you for our church? As I've listened to you talk about Crossbridge and talk about the things that God is doing and what, you know, um, there's one word that I would, I would use and that word is simply this, kingdom. It sounds to me like you, Crossbridge, are a kingdom-minded church. Sounds to me like you, Crossbridge, uh, care about the things of the kingdom. Uh, and so uh, I want to bless you to keep looking at things through kingdom lenses. As a district that really wants to see kingdom renewal uh, throughout our whole region, to know that you're already thinking that way, to know that you are living that way, uh, to know that you're, you're leaning in to that, that way of living uh, is an encouragement to me. So I want to bless you to continue to do that. Thank you again for uh, allowing us to, uh, to share your pastor. Uh, know that his investment here in the district not only represents you well, <laughs> represents the kingdom well, and uh, we get to do more of what we do in this diverse district that we're a part of because of your investment. So thank you. I really appreciate that. And I bless you to continue to do the work of the kingdom. Amen. Calvin, thanks for uh, taking time. I know with all those churches and all those things, it's a, it's a commitment to be together. So I just want to say thank you personally and Crossbridge. I hope you've enjoyed this time together. Whatever questions you have, hit us up. We'd love to clarify anything and uh, keep walking with you for kingdom-minded ministry. We love you guys, and we'll see you next week.